Hi, and welcome to another episode of No Life Like Show Life. Since the last episode was published in 2022, I'd like to wish everyone a happy new year. I hope it's not too late for that. And anyone who listens to this podcast on a regular basis might know that we usually do like an episode in German and one in English and alternating a bit. So it's time for another episode in English. And I'm very excited because in our last episode in English, I was introducing a World and Congress champion. And I'm so excited to do that once again because my guest today is Natalia DeVincenti. I'm very excited to welcome her. Hi, Natalia. Hello, and thank you for having me on the show, Life. I'm so excited to have this conversation because I am so excited to learn more about you. So we will do a little amateur portrait. So to start off, maybe you could just introduce yourself real quick to anyone who might not know you. Absolutely. So I'm Natalia DiVincini. I'm from Colorado. I'm 23 years old. Outside of the show arena, things that I do like on a normal life uh, kind of basis is I graduate from Liberty University in May with my bachelor's degree in aviation management. Last summer, I received my private pilot's license. And then this summer, I intend to add my instrument and commercial rating to that. My whole family flies airplanes for a living, so it's kind of in the blood, and that's what we do outside of the horses. My parents own a flight for life in an air charter company, so I'm their medical dispatcher. Um, but basically, you can either find me in the sky or in the arena. That sounds very exciting, and I feel like you're quite young to be, you know, working like that already, <laughs> so that sounds really cool, and you've been very successful in the show pen as well. You just mentioned that you are in the show pen quite frequently. You're a world champion, congress champion. I probably couldn't list all of your achievements because that would take too long, but Let's start, you know, at the roots of all of this. So when did you get involved with horses? So my mom's side of the family has a long history in like ranching and that sort of thing. Never show horses, but kind of rodeo and ranch. My grandma was Miss Rodeo Colorado. So horses have kind of been in my family for a while, but it didn't really start until my mom in her 20s, she started showing hunter jumpers. And then um, several years later, she had me and she never wanted to push like the horses on me. She wanted it to be kind of my decision if I wanted to do it. Um, so kind of a funny story that goes with that. She tells about when she knew that I was going to be horse obsessed is that uh, she would buy me all kinds of like dolls and strollers and doll houses and, you know, all the like girly, girly gifts and, and stuff. And she said one day, I, I don't remember this story. I was really young, but I came out of my room and I, in the doll stroller, I had all my horses and I was wheeling my horses around. And she said, that's when she knew I was going to be horse obsessed. So from there, she, my parents bought me a pony when I was five and started doing the hunter jumpers with my, with that little pony. My mom was my first trainer, you know, kind of started out super small, but um, that's how I got my start was just from a young age in the hunter jumpers. And then from there, it just grew and correct me if I'm wrong but I think your mom is showing at AQHA shows as well right yes she is she's actually the one that um decided that she kind of wanted to do the quarter horses because we were doing the hunter jumpers or I was doing the hunter jumpers and um she was a little bit older and she was like you know I want to get back into showing but I kind of want to keep all four legs on the ground you know and um she knew about the quarter horses from her grandparents and her mom and stuff so she was like, Natalia, we should try, try, you know, we should do the AQHA. And I was like, so obstinate to it at first. I was like, I'm not getting in a Western saddle. Like I want to jump. I don't want to do anything else. And so ironically enough, she, um, a quarter horse trainer, Jimmy Dario lives about like five minutes down the road from us. So she, one day she was like, I'm going, like, I'm going to go ride one of his hunter saddle horses. You know, if you want to come, you can, but I'm going to go do it. And so I went with her. And Jimmy was like, you know, hey, do you want to jump on a horse while you're here? And I was like, oh, sure, I guess, you know, why not? And the second I jogged that horse off, I was hooked. Absolutely, like, knew I had to have one. And so um, it's kind of an ironic story. I never, I didn't want, it wasn't anything I wanted to do. And then the second I rode an all-around horse, I was definitely hooked. I think it's a very funny story because I think, most people, especially from Europe, if they think about you, they picture you in a horsemanship outfit, in a Western saddle, and not necessarily in the AQHA English event. So, you know, yeah. it's kind of fun to hear about that journey. 
Oh, I know. It was totally like a 180 shift for sure. Um, going from the hunters, I, I did the act kind of as a youth, but it never really was something I truly loved. So um, when I got in Mooney and when I got Mooney, it really ended because he does not like to go fast. So yeah, I don't know. It was just 180, 100% different from what I had been doing, but I loved it. And I still do, obviously. That's very cool. And Actually, if I think of your last world champion horsemanship pattern, I think that you could probably say that Mooney can go quite fast, <laughs> but we, we can get true. back to that later. <laughs> yeah, the true, so, solid point. <laughs> yeah, but can you tell me a little bit more about your AQHA career? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I didn't start showing AQHA shows until 2013. And um, so I was 13 at that point. So I only had one 13 and under year. And we, once we decided to do the quarter horses, we um, got with Kelly and in his barn and his program and stuff and started looking for an all around horse. And it took quite a while to find one. It was probably about, oh, maybe six months to find one. We finally found one um, that I did my, my um, novice stuff with and all my 13 and under career. And then um, we bought checks is the choice, my other all around horse. And it just kind of started from there. We didn't really think, you know, it was ever going to be kind of what it's become because we were doing the hunter jumpers and the quarter horse stuff at the same time. And I did the same, I did both of the circuits for about um, four years, like together at the same time. And it was just so much, too much of a time commitment. I wasn't able to really spend enough time to dedicate to either discipline. So um, at one point my mom was like, okay, you know, you got to pick which one you like best and we got to go with it and we'll just hit it as hard as we can. And that's when I picked the quarter horse stuff. And that's from 2013 on that's well from 2013 we started. And then from about 2015 is when I really got a hundred percent serious in the quarter horse stuff and went to all the out-of-state shows and that sort of thing. Cause we were staying local when I was doing both the hunter jumpers and the quarter horses. And it just kind of grew from there. What did some out-of-state stuff and had some some success at the youth world and then just got more and more into it and it's kind of just blossomed into to what it is today. I was actually a little surprised to hear that you uh, only started in 2013 because I think that makes about 10 years so um, I always felt like you have been a part of the AQHA industry for way longer. Yeah, I feel like I've been in it my whole life. You know, I barely remember a part of my life where I wasn't in AQHA. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was very much a, like beginning of my teenage years when we started. And um, I've just been very, very blessed with the horses and the people that have been along my horse journey that have made it awesome. And you just mentioned one of them. And when saying Mooney, you refer to your current partner, Moonlight Madness, which many people might know. But before you tell me a little bit more about him, could you maybe name some other horses that have shaped you as a rider and have been very important for your career? Absolutely. Um, probably starting from the beginning is the horses that I had that did the I did the hunter jumpers with. You know, I started out doing the pony hunters, which is very popular here in the U.S., and then um, started doing the junior hunters and that sort of thing. And those horses really, I mean, I hate to say like they, I credit them to, for teaching me how to ride, but as far as like how to ride and like get nitty and gritty and sort of thing, I mean, I was flung into the dirt and into mini jumps like so many times I could never even keep count. So those hunter jumper horses really taught me how to ride and how to be strong and really shaped me on my foundation um, of being like, like a, a rider, not so much like riding Western, but just being like a horseman. And um, then from there, the other horse that really helped me a lot was my first quarter horse was Meatball is what we call him. His show name is KM Boalicious. His name is Meatball. And he's the one that really taught me that there's a very big difference between hunter jumpers and quarter horses. <laughs> And that there's a even larger difference between calf pressure and spur pressure. And he was very, he was very young at the time when we had him. So he was very opinionated on what you did with your legs. So he was the first one that really taught me, okay, you can't just, you know, grab on and hold on the entire time you're riding and to be, you know, cause the hunters, you have to pretty much hold on or you're going to go flying. So, um, he definitely taught me the difference of legs and how to use your legs and how to 
um, how quarter horses work and how they're wired versus how the hunter jumpers work and are wired. But um, the biggest horse in my career that shaped my whole riding, everything was Chex is the choice. He was my youth horse from when I was 15 to when I aged out when I was 18. And he's just 100% the best boy in the whole world, obviously, in my opinion. Um, he was just so honest and he was a hundred percent. He would give you a hundred percent of himself a hundred percent of the time, whether you were showing or you're practicing, like he was on it and he never wanted to let you down. Uh, when we bought him, he was 12. So he was a little bit he's not, not old, but he was definitely set in his ways at that point. Like he'd been trained, he knew everything. And when we got him, you know, the trail and Western riding were so easy, no problem. He was ready to go in those events, so to say. Um, but the horsemanship actually, we struggled for a good two years with him, with the horsemanship. He's very quirky and he does, he's, he's kind of, I don't want to say like he's, he's very mental. Like he's in his head all the time and he's just, he's mentally kind of tough just because he's, he's just different and he's very quirky and he does weird stuff. And, um, Kelly and I tried for the first two years that we had him to kind of like train those weird tendencies that he would do in the horsemanship out of him. And it never worked. The more we focused on it, the worse it got. Um, for example, like every single time checks would stop, he would swing his head to the left, not like an inch or six inches, like a foot or two feet, like you could see it. And so we spent a year only turning to the right because we were like, okay, well, if he wants to spin his head to the left, we're just going to turn to the right and maybe that'll stop it. And everything we did just made it worse. Every time we focused on one of his weird little quirks, it just made it worse. So we actually bought another horse that was supposed to be my horsemanship horse, but that didn't work out. Um, and so we kind of came back to checks and we were like, all right, we got to make this work. And Kelly was like, okay, here's our new plan. We've tried to convert checks into doing it how we want him to do it. And it hasn't worked. So let's play checks game and see if we just can play by his rules, if it'll go away or if it'll lessen in severity. So what we ended up kind of doing for the horsemanship was um, I kind of had to take on the role of preventing or masking his weird quirks. And we learned how to cover him up, like the weird head thing with that he would swing his head to the left. Um, you would have to stop, immediately pull your hand, like almost to your belly button. And there was no hesitation in your stop. You had to immediately turn. So um, we just found different little ways to hide his weird stuff that he did in the horsemanship. And it ended up really working out. It took a while though, for us to kind of learn. Checks had to teach us basically is what had to happen. And we always joke about that of, you know, if we'd have just let checks, you know, if you would have taught us his way earlier, we'd have had smooth sailing. But um, he really taught me so much about how to show more than anything. By the time I had checks, you know, I, I knew how to ride um, with the hunters and meatball had taught me kind of like the Western way of things. And obviously I was still like coming off my novice career. So I had a lot to learn. Um, and checks really put the finishing polish on that. And kind of taught me, at least in the horsemanship more than anything, like how to show and how to keep going. Like, I feel like in the horsemanship, it's so easy that if something goes wrong or if something isn't perfect to let that affect your pattern. And with checks being so weird and quirky and the things that he would do in the show arena and the horsemanship, you couldn't focus on it. You had to completely ignore it. You had to ignore him completely and just do your pattern. And, you know, if something was ha would happen or a weird quirk would come out, you just have to keep going and make up the points somewhere else. So checks really taught me how to put on a show face and how to show and kind of how to sell what you're on. You know, like I may not have the best, you know, turn in the world, but you know, you got to sell that and you got to show it and not kind of don't let them see you sweat when things don't go your way. So checks was one that really polished my arena presence and how to show how to, how the difference between practicing and warming up and all that versus showing and how it, how you have a different presentation in the arena. So that was kind of my biggest things from checks is my biggest takeaways is, is how great he was in those aspects and how much polish he helped me put on as a showman. I think it's always so interesting to hear that those very successful horses are sometimes a little bit quirky, you know, it's oh, this, yeah. you know, fine line between genius and there was certain weirdness. Oh, a hundred percent. The vet clinic that we have here in Colorado that does all of our vet work, they would always joke, we wish checks could do our taxes 
because he was always really smart, you know, but sometimes that smartness is, it makes things difficult too. Yes, of course, of course. But I think it also, you know, gives you a chance to show whether you are a great horsewoman or horseman or not, because only those really good horse people can overcome those quirks and the weirdness, you know, and, you know, form a bond with the horse. Otherwise it doesn't work out. So Sure. And we talked about Mooney before. Can you maybe tell a little bit more about him and what makes him so special? Oh, I could go on for hours about Mooney. Um, you should, you should. <laughs> I'm basically obsessed. Um, we, so he, we bought him when he was three years old and he didn't do anything but the pleasure. He'd been showing in the pleasure. So that's kind of what he was doing. And um, he's just been like, it's been such a journey with him. He's such a funny horse. Um, he's totally my heart horse. Like any horse I've ever had, I've loved all of them, but this one is totally different. Um, having him since he was three was super fun because, you know, they don't know anything. So you're able to put kind of whatever you want on them, whatever cue, you know, whatever, whatever you want to teach them. They're so teachable at that moment. So that's what I really loved about Mooney because, you know, checks had showed me kind of what I liked and what I didn't like. And so I was able to take that and go, okay, I'm going to try to make Mooney like exactly what I want, which obviously he's an animal, you know, they don't, they're never exactly what you want, but Mooney is pretty much everything I could ever want. And more, he's so sassy, like he's nine years old now. So he should have knocked all of his sassiness off. And it's just every day it's something with him. He's so sassy and he is very opinionated. If he thinks that you know, if you're doing the Western riding and if you ask for a lead change, maybe a little too hard, or if he's slowing down, you kind of like nudge him forward a little bit too much. And he thinks that you've crossed the line. He definitely tells you. And, um, the best thing about him is just, he's, oh, I don't want to say he's different. Like every single time you show him, but he really is different every time you show him, at least in the horsemanship. And I don't know why I have weird horsemanship horses. The trail and Western riding is easy with him, but in the horsemanship, especially like at the world show or um, at NSBA or something like that, I always joke with Kelly because, you know, we'll have a plan of action of, okay, this is what we're going to do. And in the back of my mind, I've got all the way from plan B to at least plan J, because you never know what you're going to get with Mooney. And um, that's the thing that makes him so fun is that he's just different and it's never, I don't want to say it's never easy, but it's never he never just lets you get away with anything. Like he always kind of holds you accountable and he makes you work for it for sure. And that's what makes him so interesting. And I never get tired of riding him because it's always something with him. And the personality is just, he's so spoiled. Oh my gosh. He's uh, stalled next to my mom's horse and my mom spoils her horses unbelievably, of course. And I'll be, you know, I'll open Mooney's door and I just leave it open because he never really, you know, doesn't, he'll never run away. And I'm taking his blanket off and he'll just waltz out of his stall and walk into my mom's horse's stall because he has a hay bag and just start eating the hay bag. And we're like, Mooney, you can't do that. You know, you can be spoiled, but you have to behave. And um, he's just so quirky and he's so fun. And the personality is just off the charts. He always keeps us on his toes. That's for sure. He's just so enjoyable. Like everything about him is enjoyable and he's so lovable. One of my favorite things about him, especially when we bought him is um, he's very hard to bond with. Like when we first got him, he would take treats from nobody but me. He was very suspect of everyone, like thought they were trying to poison him or something. I don't know. And didn't want to bond with him. Would not, wouldn't let anybody pet his head. Like he was just very standoffish and very suspect. And it was just hilarious to me that he was like that. Um, but I took the time and like spent the time with him and really wiggled my way into his heart when he was a baby. And um, he's still like that today. He's just very picky about who he likes. And there's only a couple of people in the barn who he'll eat a treat from. And he's just such a weirdo. And I love it. He's just so, he's, he's crazy, but I love him to death. And he's perfect in my opinion. Obviously he had his flaws, but he's, he's such a good boy. I had to smile a little when you told that because we have some moonlights over here as well. And I think that your description matches most of them. They are so talented they're amazing pattern horses they're great movers but they also have a lot of personality you really have to work for it and you really have to also work to be their friend and be their partner so it's kind of fun and I feel like 
Mooney is the, you know, the moonlight. I feel like if you look at him, you immediately know that he's an only in the moonlight. Oh, absolutely. He's such a brat. And I totally agree. All the moonlights, at least I've only had one moonlight, but you know, I've talked to people that have had mm -hmm. stuff. They say the same thing. Like they pick their person and that's who they bond with. And they're just kind of weird, like not weird, but they're just weird and quirky and just different. He, uh, I decided a couple days, well, a couple weeks ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to do the act. I need a new class. And so I was like, all right, moon, let's strap on the English saddle. So I put the English saddle on him. And I, I've written him English a couple of times, maybe like two and his whole, the whole time we've had him. And so I put the English saddle on and I jump on and I put my little English spurs on in which he's never had English spurs on. He's not a fan. And like, I start trotting around and I start, I asked him to lope off and he lopes two steps and just starts like tempo changing leads, like a dressage horse. And I look at Kelly and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> he's just changing leads, just loping down the, the rail, just changing leads. I'm like, okay, well. This was a short-lived at career. I think we're good to go back into retirement. <laughs> That's actually really funny. But I think that one may, that is what makes them great pattern horses. You know, you have to work for their partnership. You have to work hard as a rider. But if you do, they are such amazing pattern horses. And I think Mooney has proven that many, many times. And you've been so successful in the horsemanship. What do you like about the event? The horsemanship is, um, I'm sure no shock to anybody, my favorite event. Um, it's for me, I love the connection you have to have with the horse, you know, in the trail and the Western riding, like you have to know your horse and stuff, but the horsemanship is so different. You have to know them on such a close level and you have to kind of know what they're going to do before they're going to do it. And that, that's not easy. That takes a lot of time and a lot of practice and a lot of trial and error you know, to kind of see, to learn your horse. Um, another thing I love about the horsemanship is you don't have to have the fanciest horse to be the winner. You know, like in the Western riding in the trail, you have to have a good mover. You have to, you can't hit the poles. You know, there's certain things that you have to have in the horsemanship. You can have a horse that maybe isn't the best, um, loper, or it maybe doesn't have the best lead change, or it doesn't totally spin on its hindquarters. Like that's okay. You can have one that isn't the fanciest in, in the arena and still do extremely well with it. So I love that part of the horsemanship. But at the end of the day, for me, I love the bond and everything that it takes to get to where you can have that bond. Um, you know, it takes hours and years. Like with checks, it took me five years to have that bond that was good enough and well enough to know him to be in, you know, in that top three at the world show. Same thing with Mooney. It takes years to build that bond and that connection that you have. And once you have it, there's no better feeling in the world than when you walk in that horsemanship arena to do a pattern, especially at the world show. It's my favorite horse show, you know, those big patterns and stuff. And you are so connected, you know, exactly what's going to happen when it's going to happen before it's going to happen, you know, and you're able to predict through just the way that horse feels to you, like what they're going to do, what they're thinking. Okay. If he feels like this, then the rest of the pattern probably is going to be, you know, like this, you can kind of assume what's going to happen just from that connection you have and you know the horse so 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 well that 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 bond that you have is so important and I love the the work it takes to get there and once you have the bond that's the best part in my opinion once you have it is just being able to go show and it's so fun to show a horse you have a bond with but another aspect of just the horsemanship as as a whole as a class um, there's so much precision to it and I love, I'm a little OCD. Like I will sit here and watch horsemanship videos all day long and, you know, pick apart my patterns and my horsemanship and stuff. So I love that every little detail counts and that there's always something to improve on. Like no matter how, how many classes you win or how good your horsemanship is or whatever, there's always a point in the horsemanship that you can grow on. There's never a point where you're like, okay, yep, that's enough. Like we're, we're good enough. There's always something you can improve on, if, whether it's, you know, keeping your elbows in or personally keeping my toes in or things like that. Like there's even like aspects with your body that you can change all the time to make it look better. And with your horse, you know, you can always, always improve on something no matter how good you are. And I think that's what keeps a lot of people coming back for the horsemanship is because there's never like there's never a bar where you're like, okay, well, I've done that. I've reached my bar. Like I'm good. Like there's always more to strive for in the horsemanship. There's never like that perfect, you know, okay, well I achieved it. Now I'm good. There's always something, always something to work on, always something you can improve on, 
whether it's, you know, through your pattern work, your body, your horse, your connection, whatever it is, is it's kind of like a never ending list with the horsemanship. You can always, always improve on something. Absolutely. It's hard to say a horsemanship pattern was perfect. I think you have been very close, but I agree. It's very hard to say this was flat out perfect. Do you have a favorite maneuver in the horsemanship? Oh gosh, that's a great question. Um, lately, we've been seeing a lot of the English maneuvers in the horsemanship finals at the world show. Yeah. And when those first came out, I was like, oh, brother, there's a reason I don't do the Eck. You know what I mean? Like, don't make me two track. There's a reason I don't show the Eck. Um, but and those are those are definitely different. Uh, I, I love to go fast. So I love the extended lope to the slowdown. That's probably my personal favorite. Um, but this year at the World Show, there was a forehand turn to a hindquarters turn. And when I first saw that in the pattern, I was like, oh, great. Another English maneuver that I have to teach my horse. But um, actually, that was super fun. And I'd love to see that in another pattern. Um, it really flowed really well. And I think that it was it, it's not the easiest thing to go from making a horse, you know, stand on their front feet and move their butt and then, OK, immediately stand on your back feet and move your front end. I think it's a little bit confused. It can be very confusing for sure. Um, but that was actually, it went a lot smoother and it was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. Um, so I would say extending the lope to a collected slowdown is my favorite all-time maneuver, but, um, adding in some of those English maneuvers is kind of fun. I, I have enjoyed it. I can totally understand because whenever I look at you and Mooney going very fast and then going back to a slow lope, I always think like, this looks like so much fun. And I think that's probably the best thing you can do with a horse to make people on the in the stands or outside or watching the video think okay this looks like fun oh for sure for sure and there's there's patterns you'll watch where you're like oh my gosh I'd love to ride that horse that looks yeah. like so much fun. yeah so I totally get what you're saying for sure it's it's um it's an art for sure the horsemanship like with Mooney he's Uh, when he goes from an extended lope, like he'll get going. He's, he's a big boy. You know, he's not the the most agile kind of like Ferrari type horse. So it, he kind of needs a runway, so to say, like it takes him a minute to get going, but once he gets going, he can go really fast. And then when he comes back for his slowdowns, like in the lope, he loves to pretend he's a pleasure horse. So when you go to ask for that, that slowdown, you have to be really careful that he doesn't absolutely flip his hip into the inside and get all, you know, out of body position, but, oh, he loves to go slow. His favorite, favorite cue in the horsemanship is walk. He loves it. And do you have any pieces of advice for anyone out there who's still practicing horsemanship? Absolutely. Um, as the horsemanship is, as I said earlier, you know, there's always, it can feel kind of like it's never ending because there's always something really to practice. And um, I think that can be encouraging and discouraging at times. But the biggest thing that uh, I can say with the horsemanship that will really kind of help, at least in my opinion, is I think a lot of people practice patterns a lot, right? Like, okay, here's our pattern. Let's practice this pattern and, and get this pattern down. And I think at the end of the day, something that can really help with patterns and when you go to show is spending the time kind of going back to the basics and learning your horse because every horse is different. Um, from, you know, every horse is different and every aspect of, of the word. So really learning what makes your horse look the best, you know, at the end of the day, the horsemanship is how well you can exhibit your horse to the best of your ability and your horse's abilities. So you don't want to, you know, if you have a horse, for example, like me and Mooney, like Mooney's extended trot is the hardest thing about him. He hates to go fast at the trot. So um, I'm not going to push him to mock 10 at his extended trot where I lose kind of control and get in that area where it's kind of mistakes could happen easily. So I think knowing that horse, knowing how hard you can push them before you lose control, because we all have, every horse has a limit. Every rider has a limit of, you know, where they start to kind of lose their control of, of the horse's body, control of the horse's movements. So knowing where that's at, kind of knowing where your speed limit's at, for example, is super important. Knowing how hard you can push that horse and where it looks good and it's comfortable for them. Um, one of our favorite sayings kind of in the barn is it doesn't matter what it feels like. It matters what it looks like, you know? And I think that's so important because a lot of times people will ride like, oh my gosh, this feels like terrible. I don't know why it just feels horrible. And someone will be watching it and go, well, it looks great. And I think you have to have somebody that you trust when they say it looks great 
to kind of believe them and go, okay, well, it doesn't feel good, but it looks good. So we're going to go with it. Um, I think that can really help your horsemanship game as well. Cause really it doesn't matter what it feels like, you know, it, that they don't know the judges don't know nobody else watching, you knows what it feels like. It just, what it looks like. So I think knowing that horse, knowing the limits, knowing, knowing kind of where your cues are at, where, where you get in positions of trouble, you know, like if your horse has an issue with extending the trot, if it likes to lope off, you know, really spending the time to re re cue that, like, um, you know, if, if you touch it with its leg and it instantly wants to lope off, then spend the time touching it with your leg and not letting the horse lope off, you know, and kind of retrain that of like, this isn't what I want. This is what I, this is what I'm trying to communicate. Um, so I think going back to your transitions, to your connection, to your speed limits, all of that, and taking the time to learn kind of like, uh, the, the roadmap of your horse of like, okay, this is what he likes. This is what he doesn't like. That'll help your patterns a thousand percent instead of just diving in, you know, and trying to run as fast as you can and slow down as fast as you can and spin and all this, you know, your horse may not, that may not be how it looks its best. You may need to slow down a notch. And I learned that the hard way with checks, you know, when I was a youth, it was always about how fast can you go? You know, that was the big thing then was, was fast. So, um, a lot of times we would get into a pattern like at the world show and I'd be, you know, wanting to go for it and you'd go past where checks could go on speed, lose connection, have a stupid mistake. And there you just knocked yourself out, you know, with a, with a penalty. So, um, it's very important to know your horse's limits before you try to, you know, exhibit a pattern to the top of that horse's abilities. Know, know your limits, know where you're going and your physical limits too. You know, like if you're, extending the trot and your horse has a bumpy extended trot when it goes really fast and you start kind of like, you know, your elbows come out and you start more jostling around, then slow it down a notch. You know, it's not always about how fast you can go. It's about how well you are exhibiting your horse to the best of that horse's abilities. If the horse doesn't have the ability to, you know, have that really smooth extended trot that you can just go Mach 10, then take it back a notch, you know, and make it pretty. Don't, don't, every maneuver doesn't have to be as fast as you can go and as hard as you can push it. If your horse can't do it, if your horse can run and slow down, like awesome, more power to you, go for it. But I think, um, a lot of people get themselves in trouble trying to go above where that horse's limits at, and then you lose control and you're really, really easily in the, the realm of getting a penalty, whether, you know, they could swap out behind or whatever, you know, maneuver you're doing there's, it's so easy for a penalty if you're not in control. And at the end of the day, I mean, staying out of the penalty box is, you know, number one priority. So if you can know your horse, know your limits, you know, go for it where you can. If your horse extends the lope fast, you know, make up points on your extended lope, show that extended lope off. But then if it doesn't extend the trot well, then, you know, kind of rein that back a notch, do what your horse can do, do, do the best, show your horse the best it can be shown, you know, and do the pattern and don't, don't make silly mistakes. Like just, show how you've been practicing, know your horse's limits. Don't try to push it extremely. If you haven't pushed it in the warm-up arena as fast as you're going to push it in the show arena, don't try it out for the first time in the show arena. Make sure, you know, you, you give it a trial run first to see what it looks like. And if your horse can, can handle that kind of speed or even turns or even to slow down, you know, sometimes horses, when they get super slow, they start not loping as well behind or something, you know, you don't have to have this mock 10 to pleasure horse type of slow down, like exhibit the horse where it's still, it doesn't lose cadence and it, it may be a little bit more of a forward lope, but that's okay. Show a change of speed, but um, staying out of that weird misconnection where the horse, you know, slams on the brakes and, and has a weird lope at that point to me, it, it's better to make it all flow and look uniform. Not like one thing is, is different than the other. Don't make anything stick out sort of thing. But I think that all comes back to the connection and really knowing your horse, know your limits um, and trust them, you know, at the end of the day, when you go in there, trust them to do their job and things are going to happen. Like no matter how hard you prepare for it, no matter how much you practice, like weird things can happen in the show pen. So I think taking that in stride is another thing that's super important as well in the horsemanship, you know, that there's, I don't know, 20 different maneuvers in a pattern, you know, there, there's smaller patterns, but if we're talking about world show patterns, there's a lot of maneuvers. So there's a lot of areas for mistakes or a lot of areas for, for problems. And something that I'll tell people a lot is, you know, if you walk into the pen 
and say, you know, the first maneuver is a turn and you do your turn and it wasn't as fast as you wanted, or it wasn't as collected as you wanted, or you kind of felt like you lost their butt in the turn or, or whatever the, what you felt, you know, had happened. Don't ever stop showing, like get over that immediately and move right back on and have the mentality of, okay, I'm going to make it up in my extended trot then, or I'm going to really, you know, try to make up for the points I lost in my turn. Don't let one mistake at any point in your pattern or one little iffy thing ruin the rest of your pattern. Cause you can still, you know, place and do extremely well in a pattern where you may have had one little misconnect and that's fine. So I think that's another part of horsemanship as well as to never stop showing. Like if you have an issue, immediately put that out of your mind and move on to the next thing and worry about it when you get out of the arena. Like, how do I fix that? But when you're showing, be present, be able to move on from uh, maybe something that wasn't exactly how you planned or what your game plan was, be able to keep showing and complete the pattern. You know, have that mentality of let's make up for the points I lost instead of like, oh, well, I already made a mistake. So I'm just going to mosey around here sort of thing. Absolutely. And you just mentioned you practice and you uh, said before that you can never be perfect at the horsemanship. You always um, have to have something to improve on. So what does your training look like at the moment? So in the wintertime, Mooney kind of loves to take a break because he's lazy and, and doesn't really like to work very hard. So right now we're um, it's cold and we can't ride outside. So we're in a little indoor so in the wintertime, we just try to keep him kind of fit and in shape. And we don't really, I work on like my body more, like I ride a lot without stirrups and that sort of thing. Um, but once it becomes warm outside and we're able to get outside in the big arena, then we do a lot of, um, personally myself, I hardly ever, I hate to even admit it, but I don't really practice the trail in the Western riding. If I, if Kelly didn't make me, I wouldn't show it. So I basically practice the horsemanship as my main priority and like getting ready for the world show, for example, like my biggest concern was being in control of his body hundred percent of the time. So, um, and I knew there was going to be some side passing and two tracking and stuff. So when I get on him, I do a lot of body control and a lot of transitions to where, um, I know I have control of his body, no matter if I'm going from a lope to a trot, to a walk, to whatever it is, a stop, um, any sort of thing. So I do tons of transitions. I do a lot of counter cantering for him, a lot of two tracking to loosen him up and just coming up with different transitions and making sure that I have control of his body throughout all those transitions, no matter what they are. Ironically enough, one of the harder things, uh, one of the harder transitions with Mooney is when you go from any gate to a stop because he likes to sometimes pretend he's a rainer and he, I've actually got him to, I mean, this word used very lightly slide, like maybe an inch, but he will plant it. And that makes the upcoming transition from a stop very difficult. Cause he's, you know, on his back end and there's his head and his neck kind of get out of whack and they come up and it, you, then you have to like stop and put his head down and get him back on his front end. So, um, I do a lot of stops with him and staying forward, not letting him, you know, slam on, slam on his hind end, but staying kind of on all four feet and doing like a, a flat footed stop. And, um, so tons of transitions, tons of connection work. And, um, I, other than that, the biggest thing is we, we let them have turnout and they are able to kind of be a horse. And sometimes it's nice to pull their saddle off and just run them around, you know, bareback and do something fun and different with them. Cause they get bored, you know, I mean, doing the same thing every day, they get bored. So we kind of try to keep it a little bit fun for them. And I've brought Mooney home to my house before, and we have like cows and stuff around and, oh my gosh, she loves the cows. So I think keeping them fresh and not just doing the same thing every day keeps them happy with their job as well. Um, and that's kind of what we do is we just, we work a lot on the basics. Like I hardly, um, as far as pattern work, like I'll practice them if I'm going to a horse show and stuff. But other than that, I do a ton of connection work. And that makes, for me personally, it makes doing a pattern easier um, because if you have that connection and you have all your cues down and all of your transitions down, um, it's just implementing it into a pattern. Yes. And it's so important. And I actually love to hear that you do fun things as well, because I am the, I don't know, I'm probably the one person who would always go for a bareback ride if she could, you know, yes, <laughs> I think it's I so fun. That. Me too. <laughs> So it's very cool to hear that even the world champions are doing that. Yeah, we when I brought him home, um, 
my trainer Kelly, he got he got sick this year and he was has hadn't didn't ride for like about eight months. So we were kind of, you know, on our own, so to say. And I was like, I'm gonna bring Mooney home. And so I brought Mooney home for, I don't know, maybe, maybe a month, a couple weeks, maybe a month. And um they have runs outside of their stalls. And it honestly, I saw such a change in his demeanor just from being home, being outside all of the time. We went on trail rides all the time. He was such a happier horse. And even when we took him back to Kelly's and my mom thinks it's just the funniest thing. We talk about it all the time because his demeanor and his personality changed uh, so much when he came home. And even like to this day, like he's never really, I don't want to say he's never been the same, but he's really never been the same. Like he was, he came home and had the best time. It was like vacation, I guess it would be like for us. And he, he's been so, and he's a happy horse anyways, but he's been so happy lately and he's just happy to do his job. He's willing. It was a good break for him, you know? So I think that's so important. Something that's easily overlooked, I think is, is that they, they'd like a break too. You know, we like to go on vacation. They'd like to go on vacation and have where they can just be a horse. Absolutely. And you've just mentioned your trainer, Kelly, again. I think we should probably talk about that a little bit as well. How long have you been working with him? Uh, let's see, 10 years. I think this is going to be our 11th show years. So we've wow. done 10. I know it's crazy. But when I first went to Kelly's, I didn't even know what hand to ride with, you know, because I'd done the hunters. So I rode with both hands. So Kelly really um, has taught me absolutely everything I know in the quarter horse world. Um, and I think that's such a, a testament to him, you know, that he, he took me from being a little kid that knew nothing to, to now kind of like where we're at. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a good journey for sure. Absolutely. What do you love about him as a trainer? Yeah. So the th the best thing about Kelly, um, and it's more like when I was a little kid, you know, I didn't really, really see this as much as I didn't know, but the more we've been with Kelly and I've seen, you know, countless horses come in and out of his program, good horses, bad-minded horses, crazy horses, all, you know, all kinds. And, um, the biggest, the best thing I, that it's about Kelly's training is that he never tries to put any horse in like this box of, okay, this is how I train. You're going to go around how I want you to go around. Like, this is my box. You, the horse has to fit in it, which I think happens a lot of the times. And the, the best thing with Kelly is, is he understands that every horse is different. They're not all going to respond to the same cues. They're not all going to respond to the same training. And he adapts his training program to every horse. It's very personalized, you know? And I think that's the thing I can appreciate most is that he tries to communicate with them of, okay, this isn't working for you, you know, in terms of the horse, it's not working for the horse. What can he, he him himself, what can he do to change it? You know, clearly it's not making sense. So he tries to change his program in ways that the horse understands it because one horse doesn't learn the same as the next horse. And that's something that I can really appreciate from his program is, is how he kind of, he'll work with the horse and he tries to figure out how they learn. You know, it's kind of like a school teacher. They've got kids in their class that have, you know, tons of different learning styles. And that same thing with Kelly is he, he adapts and he tries to make it make sense for them instead of just forcing them to do it his way. And uh, I think that's a big testament to him and his training program. And he's had a lot of successful horses that have gone in and out of his program. And I think that that's kind of a testament to, to what, what he can bring to the table. Yeah, and it's such a great thing to value in a trainer because I think it's not only important that he does that, but that he also has clients who can see that and value that because you know, in the end, it's very important for the horses, right? And we need them to do a job they probably wouldn't do without us or wouldn't want to do. And, you, you know, we have to, you know, make them want it in a way. And I think it's great to have trainers out there who support the horses in their different personalities and learning styles and talents. So it's very cool to hear that. And I think I think that's probably the only way it works to form a great partnership and be successful at the same time. And I think it has worked out great with you. So it's a oh, true testament to him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He, he's great at that. And the, like Kelly's special talent that maybe not a lot of people know, but he's incredible at putting horses and riders together uh, as far as like what horse matches their riding style and I think that's something else that is kind of a skill. I mean, that's not easy 
you know, cause you've got all these different riders and they ride different and their mentalities are different and their personalities are different. You have these horses that are different and their personalities are different and they've been trained differently. And he can really like, when you go horse shopping, he hits it 100% almost on the time. Well, I would say 98% of the time, Kelly gets it right for every single train person that comes in his barn for a new horse. Like it is just, it's incredible. The matches that he's put together, even young horses that don't even, you know, show and somebody will buy them and they turn into the horse that would be exactly what that person needed. And I think that's something that that's super valuable when, when you're looking for a horse to be able to have someone that's honest and somebody that has that eye that can really put a horse and a rider combination together. So did he find Mooney for you as well? Yes, we went after, um, after my last youth world with checks or it wasn't my last youth world. Actually, it was the one before we were like, okay, let's get an amateur horse, something that we can kind of sell. Like, let's get something that we can keep for a couple of years and sell. And so we were at NSBA and we tried probably ooh, close to maybe 10, 15 horses. And when we set out on the quest, our big thing was, okay, this one's going to be flashy because I've ever only literally ever only owned bays that aren't super flashy to have like maybe one or two white socks. You're like, okay, we're going to get a colored horse. We're going to get a roan or a gray, something with some white socks, something that pops. So that was our plan. And so everything we tried, just, it wasn't exactly what we were looking for. And we were able to be really picky because we wanted something we could resell. And we were in the warm Perino watching one of Kelly's clients warm up for a class. And I saw Mooney going around and I was like, Hey, Kelly, what about that Brown one? And we were like, oh, okay, maybe. And then another trainer was looking at him and long story short, we ended up, that trainer walked away and Kelly went and talked to um, Aaron who was riding Mooney and I jumped on him and literally I maybe rode him for two minutes and I stopped and was like, okay, we need to go to the vet check. Like this is the one. And then here we are, you know, so many years later and I'd never sell him. Like he ended up being, you know, like that ultimate horse that you would, that you look for your whole life, you know? And uh, so, yeah, he found Mooney for us. He found checks. He's found, yeah, he's found every horse that every quarter horse we've ever had. That's really cool because he found two so special horses. It's really cool. Absolutely. And I have one question that's actually got nothing to do with that topic, but someone asked me that question over Instagram a few days ago, and I could maybe answer it, but I was like, well, why not ask Natalia? Because she's a local in a way. So someone asked me, what's a show in the US that you should visit? Oh my gosh. <laughs> There are so many great ones. Personally for myself, the Arizona Sun Circuit that goes on in March is definitely one of my top three favorite shows of the year. Um, it's beautiful. You're outside. Um, tons of people come in from all across the country. So you really get to see, you know, almost everybody's there. There's tons of arenas that you can ride in or that classes are going on in. You can, there's so many events. There's even, they have the cow horse events. They've got every event you basically ask for. It's a longer horse show. So it's not just everything crammed into, to one weekend. And that's my personal favorite, like outside of the world shows, the Arizona Sun Circuit. Absolutely. You have to visit. It is the best. It's warm. It's outside. It's great. 10 out of 10. That's the best aside from like the world show. because I love the world show personally, but the Arizona Sun Circuit best horse show out there. Will you be going this year as well? Oh, for the first time in 10 years. No. My, uh, my mom and I are going to Israel, so um, we won't be going, but it was definitely when we learned that the dates were the same, we were like, oh no, but that's okay. We'll be back next year. <laughs> yeah. And Israel is amazing. So, oh, I'm so you have a, you have a great journey ahead of you. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm excited. So what are your plans in general for this season? This season, um, for the first time kind of in my young equestrian life I I've always had like an end goal for November at the world show and um, after how this November went um, I've kind of come to the conclusion that well after the horsemanship we had a conversation I was like okay with I had a conversation with Kelly it's like okay either you know he said either you need to sell him and get something else and work towards that goal again or you need to just enjoy him and enjoy the ride and just you know, savor every minute you get with him. 
and, and just keep him like, don't, don't sell him. Don't just, just keep doing what you're doing and, and have fun. And so I, I just, I can't bring myself to sell him outside of just like an emotional thing. Like I, I just, I would be crushed if I sold him. So that's kind of our plan for this season is I'm just going to go, we're going to um, some good out of state shows and then we're going to NSBA and the world show and stuff again. So I just really plan so far this year on just enjoying the horse and really, you know, we've kind of gotten to the point with Mooney where it's gotten, where I do have that bond and connection we were talking about earlier and just enjoying that and savoring that. And that's, you know, you very rarely in your life get more than one once in a lifetime horse. And I feel like I've had two with Mooney and Chex and, you know, with Chex, he was at the end of his career. So when Chex was done, you know, he was done and Mooney's young and I just want to enjoy him and enjoy that blessing of having a horse like that. And show when I can do what I can and continue to work, you know, really hard and don't let enough ever be enough sort of thing. Always work on something. And that's kind of, kind of my goals for this year is just go have fun and enjoy the horse. They don't come around very often. Yeah. And I think that's probably the best goal you can have to just go out there and have fun because I mean, it's hard to to build on the success you've had because you've been so successful. So what best way to do it than to just enjoy everything? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely ready to just enjoy the horse. And, you know, I think it's so it, it anything can happen. You know, there are horses like tomorrow could be a totally different story. Something could happen and and that sort of thing. But I'm just enjoying him being healthy and sound and happy and wanting to go do his job and and just enjoy that season of his life with him. Absolutely. It sounds amazing. And I think it's a very fair way to, you know, just give something back to the horse to just let him enjoy life and have a vacation and take him out and just have a good time with him. I think that's probably the best you can do after all he has done, after all you have achieved. That's the best way to do it, right? Yes. Maybe he'll come home and visit his cow friends this summer <laughs> again. <laughs> Sounds very exciting. Oh, yes. Natalia, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It has been a great talk and I've learned so much about you. And if you ever come to Germany, make sure to let me know and come for a visit. Oh, absolutely. I would love that. And thank you so much for having me on. It's been, it's been so fun. <laughs> <laughs>